Welcome to the Legally Sound Smart Business Show, your weekly look at legal news and questions in the business world. Here are your hosts, Nasser Pasha and Matt Stahl. All right, welcome to our business podcast, where we cover business in the news and add our legal twist. My name is Nasser Pasha. And I'm Matt Stahl. And that's the show. <laughs> Happy Wednesday. Wait, this is Friday episode. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I screwed that up. <laughs> that's okay. I guess I'm just confused as some of these trademarks we're going to talk about are leading to confusion. What's the likelihood that you're confused? <laughs> Very likely. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> There's a couple recent stories dealing with trademarks that are, I think, are some areas we haven't talked about in the past. So I was just going to kind of discuss them. And the first being this beer dispute. So there's Lagunitas and Sierra Nevada, both in Northern California. And Lagunitas had filed a trademark for IPA, which is a type of beer. It's an India pale ale, very popular at this stage in in 2015, very well known. If you drink beer, everybody knows what that means. It's, It's a term that is very, very prevalent. And so they had trademarked the acronym IPA, and I guess they had tried to enforce it against Sierra Nevada. And like I said, these are two heavy hitters in the craft beer industry in the U.S. I think they're both top 10, maybe even top five in terms of beer produced for craft breweries in the U.S. So these are two big names that are that are going at it. So Lagunitas tried to enforce or protect its trademark of IPA against Sierra Nevada. They tried to resolve it, didn't work. So they filed a lawsuit and it just completely backfired on Lagunitas. They got all this negative feedback. All these people were saying they're never going to drink Lagunitas beer ever again, which is not true. I hate when people say that, like they're going <laughs> to, oh, I'm never going to do this again. Like the next day you forget about it. I say that. Remember, I have Yelp and Uber, which are on my hit list. Yeah. For you, it actually holds true. For most people, I don't think it does. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever said that. And I'll tell you this, I'm never drinking IPA. That's for sure. <laughs> even said it awkwardly <laughs> i guess it's not as funny if people don't know that i don't drink at all but yeah why how do you say it? how do you say it ipa or what do you say ipa you're saying I, i'm never drinking ipa like it i think the correct way would say uh you're never <laughs> drinking uh ipa i well i agree i'm i'm not going to drink an ipa <laughs> there you go or drink any more ipa types of alcoholic beverages <laughs> ipa well then you would be isolating the uh IPAs in general. And so that was what the whole dispute was about is Lagunitas tried to protect this trademark that they had against Sierra Nevada, who I'm sure produces a bunch of IPAs as well. Because they had a public backlash and now Lagunitas has since pulled its its lawsuit and is no longer gonna gonna go through that route. So it's I guess the the moral of the story here is even when you have some protection of your intellectual property, in this case being the I think trademark's probably gonna be the, where it makes the most sense it can have negative consequences to have that trademark. And sometimes it can even be more of a, a hassle and a burden than you even want. Cause it's, you know, in this case, Lagunitas tried to protect what it owned and it obviously got the negative PR, but it's also just a hassle having to deal with. And they, you know, they dropped the lawsuit. So whatever money they, in time they dumped into it went all for nothing. Yeah. We've seen these kinds of public blowbacks in different situations. The one thing that I can remember with any sort of detail, there was a Kitchen Nightmares episode with uh, Gordon Ramsay where 
one of the local, they did one restaurant where the local restaurant tried to trademark one, one f- local phrase that is very common in the area and the, and the local public kind of fought back against that. And I think what's common is this, is that there's no one that disagrees that companies should have intellectual property protections, whether it's trademark, copyright, etc. But when it goes against the spirit of it, then the general public are going to have the difficulties accepting it, and it may actually backfire. Now, let's also accept the fact that just because the public did have somewhat of an outcry, that doesn't mean that outcry wasn't sparked or inflated by the competition either. But still, the, I think the, the lesson is still the same. One thing that I think would, would have made more sense is if they did it earlier. If they established IPA as a, as a mark early enough, then would have been an issue. I mean, that's I guess sriracha sauce fell into the same same uh, boat with that, right? Yeah, and before I get into that, you you're exactly right. I think that's the perfect way to describe it. Is if it's against the spirit of kind of what's going on, because the people that like craft beer are very pro craft beer and very against passionate and yeah. Like I don't know if you saw the. Budweiser commercial. I, it might have aired on the Super Bowl. I can't remember, but it was this big commercial. Just I don't drink and I don't watch alcohol commercials either. So <laughs> you've heard of the company Anheuser Busch? I think so. They just blasted these like you know our beer's the real beer for Americans. You know none of this foo foo stuff. The backlash <laughs> against that was obviously big, but it's funny because they've bought some smaller, <laughs> some smaller craft breweries. So like they were essentially poking fun at themselves. So anyway, so. But I, I feel like there is that impression. I mean, I, like, like I said, I'm kind of distant from that kind of culture, but I, I, it seems as though there is this, the people that do like craft beer tend to be a little bit, you know, not as, you know, I, I, that's a stereotype, the more kind of hipster kind of culture. But so I, I could see how, what they're trying to do with that, I suppose. Yeah, it's, it's shifting a little bit just because it's getting so... So common, yeah. Yeah, so common. But yeah, it's, and that's what they were poking fun at. And I don't know, it was pretty funny, but... <laughs> I liked both sides of it. You mentioned the sriracha thing too, and I think that's... I think everyone has seen it. It's like that red bottle with the green top, and it's a hot sauce. It's a hot Vietnamese sauce, I think, and you've seen them everywhere, and it has a bunch of white writing on... I I guess you just have to look it up to to see it, but I think everyone has seen it, you know? You weren't familiar with the name before? No, I mean, first of all, like when it comes to branding, sometimes I, I miss the point. I had no idea that that was <laughs> called sriracha. I just thought that hot sauce that that has a green top. But if they weren't the ones that created it, they were at least the ones that put sriracha, the name on the map. And so I think at first people knew sriracha as, yeah, it's this bottle that with the red colored hot sauce with the green top and the, I think it has a rooster, I want to say on the side of it. I can't remember, but yeah, yeah. I think that's what it was known for. And then everyone, it became a huge popularity thing. And it, it was kind of like IPA, so it just popularity. And then all these people, all these other companies started coming up with their own kinds of sriracha, which instead of the, you know, the name of this brand, it just became like, this is what it is. Kind of like Kleenex. I think that's a good way to describe it is their face tissues or whatever they're called. But then Kleenex, the brand name became so popular that people call it Kleenex or I think Coke is another example of that. So that's, it's kind of what happened here is the Sriracha name. It was a brand and now it's this thing, it's this hot sauce. And now these, all these companies that are having their own Sriracha and the owner of the original Sriracha is saying, you know what, this is just good. It's free marketing for us. That's true. I don't know if I fully agree with that because 
you know, people aren't buying his product as much, but it still is free advertising where he wasn't doing it before. Yeah, and in this sauce, I honestly thought it was so prominent that I thought sriracha was a type of pepper or something like that, but I'm trying to look it up because I thought maybe it was some dictionary word or whatever, but apparently there is a definition of spicy sauce made with red chili and garlic, and especially in Vietnamese and Thai cuisine. So you would think at least you'd be able to do trademark something, even the bottle. Like Again, to me, the bottle is everything. And this particular article shows some other copycats or so forth, which, you know, they have a much different marketing and so forth, and the, but they use the word sriracha. But frankly, just the particular one that they're showing, I wouldn't compare. It'd be apples and oranges to me. I'd want the original. And to me, the, the marketing and the brand is not only just the taste, but also the actual bottle itself which is trademarkable, by the way, if it's unique enough. I, I don't know if, if that is, but that's one aspect that he could still pursue. This is so different than what the culture of intellectual property has become in terms of, it seems to be secure before anyone else, sue, sue later. And now it's this guy saying, hey, you know, I like our product. I welcome competition. It is what it is. And he said, I guess he's turned down Lawyers just show up to his office and say, I can sue for you. He's like, no, I'm, I'm okay. I don't, I don't want to do that. <laughs> That's all right. I think there's some rules against some solicitation of clients, but. Well, I, I can relate to that. I mean, you know, there's, there is a subculture going on right now that is a little bit of a, against this overprotection, especially, for example, in the patent world where we have a, a stream of patent trolls going around that aren't really inventing anything. And there's a sense of, lack of innovation in the United States, you know, in the sense that, yeah, we're, we're innovating, but are we really striving and making dramatic ventures to innovate? And it goes back to the inventor of penicillin. When he discovered penicillin and developed it, he did not patent the process or, or patent it. Jumpstart to today, Tesla just last year, I believe, announced that they are releasing or going to be entering into a policy where they're not going to be enforcing any of their patents. This is a pretty dramatic change to the to the current culture of like you just said and you know literally protecting every single thing before they're even successful for that matter, you know that you're going to trademark a name that no maybe no one's ever going to hear of in the next, you know, 50 years. Yeah, and to me it's the only people that really suffer from this are the smaller businesses when they just if it's two equal players, I think that's fair, to, in my opinion. But if when it's a smaller business that's done something really well, and then this big business with tons of money comes in and just can do it for, for much cheaper, that's when they really suffer. If it's two businesses on equal playing grounds, then you know, let the product or service speak for itself. Yeah, I agree. And I'm looking more of these bottles. And one thing that is for sure is that none of these other bottles actually, hot sauces actually copy the actual design of the bottle. And so I think it looks pretty unique in the sense that there's one that looks slightly similar, but the difference is it's a red top and there's instead of white printed ink on the bottle, this one has a, a traditional label wrapping around it like a paper label. So, so those are some big differences that uh, at least gives them some unique branding. That's the one I uh, have in my fridge right now. The copy? Oh my gosh. So I didn't really look into this at all until we were talking about it today. The store that I bought it at only had the one. It wasn't like I was competing with the original versus this copycat. They only had the copycat one. So that's what I bought. And I was wondering why that was the case. And I was like, well, maybe this is the same thing. 
I, I just kind of wondered. I, I guess it's more, it's like ketchup now, basically. It's Wait a minute. I, I'm looking at this picture. There's a registered mark next to the, the rooster. So apparently they trademark some of this stuff. Maybe not sriracha. And I guess that's the point of this story is that sriracha is, is, hasn't been trademarked. Whether that, that's trademarkable or not, I, to me, it, it sounds a little bit like a, a descriptive term to me, but it's, perhaps it's not. They have trademarked other aspects to it. So I guess that, that kind of clears that up. <laughs> All right. So, okay. So bottom line is I did want to talk about it, but I don't think we have time, but, and it's not even related to trademark, but as I was researching this, I caught that Katy Perry's lawyers sent some kind of cease and desist letter to this 3d printer because they printed something called a, the left shark, which <laughs> I guess is a, a, re- a reference to the Super Bowl, which I think is funny because the letter says Katy Perry owns the intellectual property associated with the shark image and has the exclusive <laughs> right to display the copyrighted images. And also Guyacom, CNBC and the Los Angeles times also covered the letter. I thought that was funny. All right. Well, we definitely have to link that. That's just so stupid. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it goes to the concept, right? It goes to the concept of, okay, is it really worth to, to kind of crack down on this kind of thing? It kind of goes against the, the spirit of it, right? I mean, who cares if this 3D printer, and it depends, are they, are they selling it in mass market or not? But, but the problem is too, is the law has it so that if you don't enforce it, then there may be abandonment issues or, or waiver issues. So yeah, and people had a big problem at the Grammys because the guy who won Song of the Year or what do they call it, Record of the Year, they said he essentially lifted his song from Tom Petty. And so they resolved something where because it sounded familiar enough where he's paying royalties to, to Tom Petty. and It is what it is. So thank you for joining us, everyone, on this Friday episode where as a routine and as a courtesy to us and as a payment for listening to this podcast episode, you are contractually obligated to leave a five-star review on iTunes. <laughs> if you refuse to, then you will be sued for monetary damages and liquidated damage of, let's see, we should make it a $500 per day that you do not leave the review. Thank you so much. That would be pretty interesting. But in the meantime, <laughs> keep it sound, keep it smart. This has been the Legally Sound Smart Business Show with your hosts, Nasser Pasha and Matt Stop. The Legally Sound Smart Business Show is your weekly look at legal news and questions in the business world. Legally Sound Smart Business is a podcast that is intended but not promised or guaranteed to be current, complete, or up-to-date, and should in no way be taken as an indication of future results. No attorney-client relationship is created by listening or submitting questions to the podcast. The podcast does not constitute legal advice, but rather is offered only for general informational and educational purposes. You should not act or rely on any information in the podcast without first seeking the advice of an attorney. The opinions expressed in the podcast reflect the views of those individuals and do not necessarily represent the views of any other individual or business. For more information about the Legally Sound Smart Business Show, visit LegallySoundSmartBusiness.com.